I'll say this to the people that are charged, energized, had so much hate and anger inside of them. If you're going to go down to this war to fight against your fellow Americans or want to kill them or burn down their businesses, this is part of civil war. You're going to someone's business and burn it down and destroy it. That's civil war right there. Mm -hmm. Civil war has already started. It's not about the start. And that's what people don't realize. Going to someone's business and destroying that business, a small business, destroying the windows in the name of social justice, that is a civil war. You know, because this person has nothing to do with social justice. He's just a small business owner that's been supporting your town. And all of a sudden you decided to go to war against him. That is a civil war. But I am saying this to these people with that kind of anger of burning down places because they feel really unjustice or burning down business owners uh, in, in the name of justice or whatever they, they believe in. Uh, I'll say this to them. If you go down to this front line to fight, in a war or a civil war that's going to cost you nothing but destruction, do remember that Anderson Cooper, do remember all of CNN reporters, all of Fox News reporters will not be with you in those front lines. I can assure you that they will be in their $1 million apartment in New York City, and they will not be with you in the front line. So don't let yourself get charged up. Don't let yourself get hyped up by this psychological manipulation. And you should take a step back and love your town and love your people that are around you and figure out a way to coexist, not burn down cities. Because I'm pretty positive if we go down to a war, I'm not going to see CNN and Fox News correspondent who actually put the wood on this fire um, in the front line fighting for social justice. It's going to be your kids and mine that are going to pay the price. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Want to wish you all a very happy new year. If you haven't done so yet, please download the last seven episodes of the American Snippets podcast. Uh, that's a year in review series that we did. We launched that the day after Christmas and then right up into the new year. They're short little snippets from some of our top podcast episodes of 2020. Uh, people like Officer Parker, Sean Whalen, David Webb, uh, uh, Sergeant Travis Mills, Check out those episodes. They're about five to 15 minutes long each. Uh, check them out. Leave us a review. We would really appreciate it if you haven't left us a review that you, to do so on iTunes or on podchaser.com. So check out the last seven episodes and let's get into this episode, our first uh, interview episode of 2021. Uh, when he was just 12 years old, our guest today was arrested and tortured in one of Saddam Hussein's prisons. Then while still a teenager, he enlisted in the Iraqi army and was ultimately recruited by, by the United States intelligence community. He went on to become a major asset to that community and to America by eliminating high-level al-Qaeda and Islamic uh, terrorist operatives and organizations. Hamadi Jassim was hunted and tracked by Al-Qaeda until he was uh, forced to flee to America in order to save his own life. He remains very much in touch with his contacts in the intelligence community and stays up to date on recurring and emerging threats to the country he gave so much in service of. He is an author, he is a speaker, and he also produced a documentary detailing his experiences and insight. Uh, we actually interviewed Hamadi back in episode number 21 of the American Sippets podcast. It's been a while since we did that. Uh, and since our community has grown and our country has taken such drastic turns, we are bringing him back to apply his extensive knowledge to current events and to share his insight on all of it. So in this episode of American Snippets, Hamadi offers a recap of his life in Iraq and addresses specific issues pertaining to our country's climate, direction, and national security. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Hamadi Jassim. You are listening to the American Snippets podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I am uh, your co-host, Barb Allen, here, as Dave Brown said, with Hamidi Jassim. Um, Hamidi, thank you so much for coming back. We loved interviewing you the first time we interviewed you, and I'm so grateful to consider you a friend now as well. Um, as, as we discussed before we started recording and why I reached out to you again, 
it feels like we're seeing a tide where Americans, a lot of Americans are turning against the core values this country was built on and really believe that it's time to break down everything America is built on and rebuild it in a new vision of how they see it. Uh, they um, don't, you know, they want to erase our past. They want to start changing history lessons. They want to stop teaching uh, about patriotism. They want to start talking more about uh, how the police are abusing people of uh, color or black people, whatever they're referring to them in, in the books. Uh, and they want to focus more on things that America has not traditionally stood for um, in terms of they want to talk about defunding police. They want to talk about um, what nationalism and patriotism are not good. They want to talk about all the problems America has and they want to erase capitalism. They want to replace it with socialism. And a lot of people feel like that's leaning toward communism as well. There's bigger restrictions on our movements, on our rights, on what we're supposed to put into our body here coming shortly, all these things. And um, the more that people on one side of the position question these rules or these beliefs or these ideas or ideologies, the more uh, the other side pushes back and condemns them. And so there's a real divide in this country now. And so what I am really super excited to talk with you about is you are someone where I would like you to get into your past and your story and your background a little first, but you are one of the most qualified people I know of to speak on um, the America you knew and did so much for and came to and compare it to the America you see today. So let's start a little bit with, let's talk about when you were 11 years old, what, what did the, your 11th year of life look like for you? Uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, many people know that, you know, my life in Iraq starting as a young child was not the perfect life that any American child had lived. Um, unfortunately, I went to a political prison when I was 12 years old. I was tortured by the regime of Saddam Hussein. And Saddam was a very inspired person by socialism and communism. You know, one of the biggest models or one of the biggest icons that Saddam Hussein looked for looked up to was Stalin. Um, Fidel Castro was one of his closest friends. And, and socialism and communism has been very familiar um, uh, thing to my life and many people who lived under that, that regime as well. Um, look, what I see today is completely a reminder of what really I went through. Uh, I see that this country is changing slowly. And I want to say that America has been under attack for so many years. This is not something new. This is just the aggressive side of this attack. And right now, it just came up due to the COVID-19 virus, all this around. But America has been under attack for years. There's a lot of changes that started in America years back. You're talking about eight to 12 years back, and things started changing, and there was a new culture being adopted in the United States. Uh, the new culture is basically changing America from the way it is. Um, everything that made America unique to the rest of the world that the rest of the world did not have. Um, it was either they changed the rest of the world to what America looked like, or they finally changed America so it's not a threat to them or the rest of the world or their ideology. So the solution here was, is to attack America, change America from inside. So that way the rest of the world does not see any example to them. They do not, do not, they do not see any role model that freedom would not exist and will just all live under one system. Um, America has been under attack. If you are a psychological warfare expert who understand the, the PSYOP war and the tactics that the media has been implementing for so many years, uh, you'll understand that this is bigger than just a presidential race. This is bigger than uh, a Trump or Biden. This is bigger than Obama or Trump. This is something way bigger. This is against American values, uh, against the way America is. I am somebody that, that's an immigrant, came from a different country, um, came to this country, lived in a very different environment. It's a freedom. I'm able to have a freedom of speech, everything. And I, and I have to say, everything has been going great. All of a sudden, we have people start changing these rules. Uh, first person was Mark Zuckerberg. We have somebody who started eliminating the Constitution and started making his own guidelines, his own Constitution, pretty much, and literally tell us how we should live and how we should talk. I mean, look, I am all about if people are abusive online, 
if people are bullying others, if people are saying racial things, I am all about shutting down people who are committing crimes on, on, on digital footprint. However, this has crossed the line to a point now where we, they can suppress anything you say, anything you do, and consider it to be against our guidelines. So pretty much that Mark Zuckerberg is now the new founding father of our constitution because he is the one that writing the rules, telling us what guidelines we should follow by. And it comes to the point now, it's not about saying the wrong or the right thing. It's now more about if you say something that I don't agree with, you'll be suppressed, you'll be stopped, and you'll be punished. And this is exactly what Saddam used to do. This is exactly what communist countries do. And they're saying, oh, this has nothing to do with communism. Well, you never lived under communism. You never knew what communism is like. This is literally the seeds of communism of, or socialism and trying to shut down and suppress people, um, suppress them from their opinion. I have said things online that were not uh, anti-racial, that were not racist, they were not um, against the community guidelines of Mark Zuckerberg. And all of a sudden I found myself being threatened by the platform saying that we're going to shut you down. And I wonder, and I sent an email and I said, why, why are you trying to shut me down? What did I do wrong? Can you, can you give me something that I did wrong um, that you're shutting me down for? And they pulled a post from 2017. Perhaps I have screenshots of that. 2017, I was criticizing the, the, the well-being of the leader of ISIS, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. I was saying in that post that this man looks healthy. He looks ready. Does not look like under any stress. And I hope that we can get him and get him punished for the crimes that he did. Literally, this is my post. And they told me that post was going against the community guidelines. And I looked. If I come to the point that I criticize the leader of ISIS and somehow the community guidelines find me to be wrong or or not being acceptable, then what, who is this platformers protecting? Where are they taking us with this? And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I got to say, a lot of people might not like that, but President Trump was supposed to put a lot of pressure, was supposed to change all that. I haven't seen much change. I haven't seen competition to Mark Zuckerberg. I haven't seen uh, Mark Zuckerberg question by people who are a little bit of a younger age who understand how the platform works, not some old 80 years old Congress members who don't even know how to use social media. I think this was easy on, on where this is going, but our life is changing. And this is a clearly that this is not a conspiracy theory. Our life is changing. We're becoming very limited. We're suppressing people from their freedom of this speech, even if we don't agree with them. Right. And it seems to be that the, the waves are going one side or you don't make it, you don't live. And this is dangerous because what this is leading to um, it's it's going to lead to nothing but not good. So and a lot of people worried about division. This is not leading to division. You've already been divided. Yes. You've already done the job. This is leading to a civil war that you're going to come to the point because when you force somebody and you force someone to change to the way that you want and they decided not everybody's going to obey. Some people are going to follow, but not everybody's a sheep. And that's what people don't understand about the human psychology. Some people will react with force. And you're trying to change 50% of, of the country that happened to be different than you. And if they don't change, they don't now they don't have any place to coexist with you because you want to take their guns. You want to take everything about them. You want to change their values. You're taking down their history. You want everything to change about them. And I can tell you right now, this experiment, we tried it in Iraq and it led to a very bloody violent civil war that cost us about 4,000 Americans, over 1 million Iraqi casualties. And that's the results of it. It's one plus one is two. Simple as anything, that if you are going to follow with forcing people, putting laws, forcing them, oppressing them, punishing them, fining them, it's not going to lead you to change this society to the way you want. It will change you to change their society and yours at the same time. Yeah. So hang on, Hamity. Let me let me just back you up a little bit. You said a lot of stuff that um, is really on point and powerful. I want to make sure people listening understand where you're getting these from. You know, what has you feeling so strongly about this? So let me just walk you back a little bit 
through your background, through your history and why you feel, you know, and help people connect to that so they understand what exactly, you know, why, where you're coming from, like, where are you basing this from and why are you so passionate? So you said, you know, you were 12 years old and you, you were, you were born and raised in Iraq. And when you were 12 years old, you were taken and you were placed in, in a prison um, yeah. run by Saddam Hussein. Give us um, some, some idea, some look into your time in that prison as a 12 year old boy, um, why you no, were picked up. And, um, and I pretty much refused to give about what equal not even a $3 that I had in my pocket. Um, I refused to give it to a, a corrupted police officer who was member of the Saddam's Bath Party. I end up cursing him back. And this was a big deal in our culture. I was taken to a prison and writing a report stating that was a, an anti-government person that tried to assassinate and attack a Bath Party member. This was a, a crime that's bigger than any other crime in the country at the time. And I found myself all of a sudden on a concentration camp I'm one of the most biggest prisons in Iraq. And I found myself almost being executed, being tortured for things that I didn't do. Um, I was given confessions. Um, and this was just an experiment to show you that when people go far away with power, this is where it leads. It leads to absolutely no good because human beings are not perfect. Human beings, when they get power, they abuse it. And this is what we're witnessing right now. I went through this experience and I came to this country to live a free life yeah. to make sure that my child would never have to be put through the same exact things that I went through. I wanted to make sure that nobody is forcing anybody to anything. You can disagree with me. You can have a different opinion. You do not have to like the same people that I like. We are different in every shape, but you cannot force me to change me to what you want me to be. How That's old were you? So you, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep walking through you. Um, you were 12 years old when you were released from that prison. Now you're 12. I mean, a 12 year old boy to go through something like that alone, that one incident alone, if the rest of your life was a perfect walk through a fairyland, that one incident alone uh, would be more than a lot of people have experienced in a lifetime. And especially on the heart and mind and soul of a 12 year old boy. I mean, it's un unfathomable. But then when you, when you came home from that, you eventually wound up joining the Iraqi army. Was that before or after? Like, when was the first time you saw an American in uh, Iraq? It was 2003. So like 2003, Iraq was a completely different world. We were blocked from the rest of the world. We were living in intersections for 11 years. And all of a sudden, Things just changed. Saddam had fell down. And you open your front door and, and you see an American soldier. This was a big deal for us. This is someone who lived in a horror movie for the rest of their life. And all of a sudden, they wake up one day and they find everything has ended. Um, th this was a big deal for me. Um, they let go of the old Iraqi military in 2003 under Paul Pramer when he was the ambassador to Iraq. And they established a new Iraqi military. And this was literally the only opportunity for people like myself to free themselves from that society, to free themselves from the oppression they were living under and being able to contribute something, um, to change something within that country. Um, and I, I will tell you, it took us long, long time um, to years and years to change the mentality of our people because we were living in a society that was completely feared, uh, threatened this whole entire time threatened with death, threatened with fines, threatened with prisons, and threatened with, threatened with every single little scary thing out there by the regime. And it took us years to change the mentality of our people, to change the mentality of our people, to understand what a freedom is about. And today in Iraq, there are many people who are, um, even though they're getting killed, they're getting shot for, this, for expressing their opinion, but they are not afraid to express their opinion. So it did change a lot. For me, this was a big deal to join the Iraqi military. I was a soldier number 19 that joined the Iraqi military in 2003. How old were I you? I joined the fight. I, I was about 17 years old. Crazy. So you're 17 years old and now you're in the fight. I, I just Every time I hear you talk about this, I, it just hits me even more. Like how incredible your story is. So you're 17 years old. You're now in the Iraqi military, the Iraqi army, and you are literally fighting adults who you know, have all this experience, this combat experience in your 17 year old boy. So 
your your involvement in that fight led you to a base, an American base, where you then became an asset to the United yeah. States military. I mean, I I got you know my 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 me joining the Iraqi military in two thousand and three had so many different benefits to it. Um, first of all, I learned to speak English, which was a language that I didn't know prior to that. Um, working with American soldiers 17 hours a day, being in, in a duty station, a tower or a checkpoint, it, it led me to learn a language that I didn't know how to speak before. Uh, that ended up leading me to many different things, many different positions. I ended up getting recruited by the U.S. intelligence and became an intelligent asset for the U.S. intelligence back in 2005. And my my career as an intelligent asset or an undercover undercover spy or whatever it was that um, it was completely different than my my the rest of my whole entire life. Uh, I found myself in a position was was at where I was able to make a difference in that war and be a key figure in it and change something. Um, it, it was a, a unique experience for me because uh, to this day. Uh, I am glad that I made the right decisions back then. I was not an age where I'm supposed to make the right decisions, but I'm glad I made the right decisions, accepted such a job, even though it came with a lot of danger. Uh, it cost me a lot of lives, a lot of my good friends' lives. Um, it got me injured twice. However, there was a value to it. Um, you are not just saving or changing Iraq. You are saving the American soldier who changed Iraq, who took down that regime, and you're, you're able to make a difference in that war. So to me, um, I'm, I, I was about 19, 18 years old when I got recruited by the U.S. intelligence, but I was not in that mentality. I was not in that age. I was living almost like a 45 years old man yeah. that has been through a lot. And, um, you know, I was just a glad. I'm just really look at it today when I wake up every single day. I'm glad I was able to make the right decisions back then. I was, I'm glad that nothing stopped me. Um, that I was maybe, maybe it was to my benefit or to whoever it is benefit that I was younger. I didn't think it twice about it and just did the job because the job was worth it. Um, every American soldier that you save overseas or you brought home is worth it because these people matter. These people were able to get to Iraq and change it from the way it was. These people were able to give a whole entire new generation the, the, the freedom of the speech or to fight back against the tyrants. You know, there are there are differences that a lot of American soldiers have made in Iraq, and including your late husband and, and many other people. And I, I think that um, um, that's that's what it's the value is for me from from my time in Iraq. So talk a little bit about what it was you did as an asset for United States intelligence. Um, my my job was pretty simple. My job was to collect information because uh, the Iraq did not have a digital database uh, like the United States d- does. Um, there was no way of knowing people who they are. So we depended on what's called street level intelligence. We depended on people who collected intelligence on the ground and who build a picture uh, for the U.S. government and the U.S. intelligence about who they are dealing with, who are the individuals that we're dealing with. And Al-Qaeda at the time and many terrorist organizations like the Islamic State, who is now ISIS, um, all these terrorist organizations found an opportunity uh, around that time to actually be part of the Iraqi government to go undercover just as much and be as close to the American uh, military as they can. And uh, when the time, my job was to locate, identify these terrorists, uh, collect as much information as possible to know who they really are, because we were depending on no evidence, not knowing who these people are. So street level intelligence was probably the most valuable style or tactics we used to collect. Uh, My job was to collect these info, identify these terrorists, uh, get him detained or, or, or taken care of in any way possible to, to move danger away from the American soldier to do his job on the ground. That's literally what my job was. I was, I was happy that I was able to eliminate a lot of these bad guys, uh, get rid of them. Um, I, was, um, I was happy that I was able to stop some of these individuals in the Ambar province where the Marines were heavily engaged where 1,200 Marines have gave their life or sacrificed their life for, the, for this country. Um, the, the war was at, at its ugliest uh, time during the surge in Iraq. And I have to say that, due, to all, due all respect to anybody that served in any different wars, whether Vietnam, whether any other country, Afghanistan, Iraq was just a different animal. And there's a reason why we have 4,000 casualties 
in, in, in only about three to four years being in Iraq. And uh, we've been in Afghanistan longer, but we have a, only about 1,100 or so casualties because Iraq was a surge at that point. Iraq was very violent. And these, these terrorist groups were much more educated, much more capable, much more military uh, experience than the Taliban's in Afghanistan. And I, I think the damage they were causing us were extremely, um, extremely powerful. So something that had to be done to stop them on their track, to collect on them as much as they were collecting and everything and about everything America was doing, including an American interest in Iraq. So I'm glad I was able to be a, a small little key figure to, to be able to, to win a picture to the United States, what the enemy really is like. Um, and, and I'll have to say it's one thing that I miss about is that regardless of what your background, whether your political affiliation is, um, you were just saving soldiers. You were saving people. You didn't care what they believed in. You didn't care who they really are, what color of skin they are. And that's what I missed about my days most of the time. But, but unfortunately, nowadays, I see something that's completely different from yeah. what I saw. Yeah. So how old were you when things came to a head and you were at the point where there was really no choice? Your choice was to stay in Iraq and be killed um, or flee to America, and you had to make that decision to leave your remaining family behind and hide and not tell them where, I mean, just gigantic monumental life changes and moves and what a difficult decision that had to be in so many ways. How old were you when that all happened, when that moment came where you knew it, the time had come for you to flee? How did you get out and what were your first moments like in America? Um. As you know, like coming to America, this was like a last minute decision. Um, my identity has been exposed by the enemy at the time as, as somebody who was spying for the United States. Uh, this was not a, a joke in Iraq at the time. You were being hunted by all terrorist organizations in the world, including Iran's intelligence operative in Iraq, who you destroyed a lot of their interests in Iraq as well. Um, so it was, it, it was uh, no choice that you had to leave the country if you wanted to stay alive. Um, I had to hide in a U.S. base for a while, waiting for my American paperwork to, to, to be, be done so I could leave the country, end up being shot before that happened. It, it came to a point where it, either I exit the country, either I, I die. And um, when I left the country, I didn't have any option. I was not talking to my family but prior to that for their own safety um, and found myself all of a sudden with a suitcase leaving the country to something that you don't really know. What is it about? And uh I have to say I was, I was 22 years old, going on 23, came to this country. Um, you know, everything was new experience, came here in 2008. The economy wasn't really at best. Um, showed up at a country that was literally coming out of a bad economy, hit. And um, it, was, it was just a, a new experience for me. It, it was just really something that I have not experienced before. And seeing what America is about, it was different for me in the beginning because I was able to go out and do whatever I want and feel that I'm not under threat anymore. But it was hard to get used to that. It was hard to really see, to test freedom when it comes to you at once. It's hard to take it all. It is by steps. Um, and um, it, it was extremely difficult for me, actually, especially the first six months to acclimate to what this environment is like. It was completely different than the environment that I came from. Um, to this day, I do miss everything that I did in Iraq. Uh, I do miss everything that I was doing. I wish those five years in Iraq had, did not end as fast as it went and went in like a minute for me. And um, I, I'm, I'm glad and able that I was able to make that difference. And, uh, and uh, unfortunately, with a job like this, um, there, there have to be some sacrifices and have to be some losses. And since I was recruited back in 2005 by the U.S. intelligence, I knew that there would be a, a loss or a consequences uh, to this job. And unfortunately, this is the side effect of it, is you lose members of your family, you lose, you lose a lot of your friends. Death is part of the job. And I'm just lucky that I was able to make it here and being able to tell my story. So what was it like then in 2008, you're in a country where Americans were, we were pretty low at that point. Um, yeah. And... But still, compared to what you had come from, it was, you know, night and day. But so you walked into a country that's still at one of its lower points, had more than you had fled. 
and we were, you know, we were still like in the woe is us kind of, we have it so hard phase yeah. of our lives where compared to what you came from, we did not actually have it, have it hard. What was your reception? Were you supported when you arrived here? Were you just dropped off and said, good luck? Um, you know, did you have any sort of support system to build your life? I mean, I did, I did have friends and people that I know that I depended on. You know, my, my friend Colonel Burke was in, in town in New York. I got to see him and spent about three, four days with him. Um, however, there was nothing there for you because people didn't know who you really were. There was not many people at that point, like myself, been to that country at that point. Uh, America had no idea at that point that what the war was like in the front line in Iraq. And this is something that I found to be surprising that somehow America was moving on, even though many of their soldiers are getting shot and killed on the front line every single day, somehow life was moving on. And to them, this was just a part of the news if they hear about it or they don't hear about. And uh, it was shocking for me to see um, that um, there was nothing for people like myself coming to this country. There was no programs. There was no medical care. There was no, I'm like someone like myself came to this country. I was shot. I was still under medical treatment. I was still needed to see a doctor. I still needed to do the things that I needed to do that I was able to do in combat. But when I came to this country, none of that existed. Um, and not just for myself, but as many uh, interpreters between Iraq and Afghanistan, they came to this country, done something huge for this country and found themselves offered nothing but a food stamp and, and, a, and a Medicaid card. That's all they got. And uh, they were offered the same thing a homeless man was offered. And that's what America has. This is how, unfortunately, the truth is, this is how America treated these people. Yeah. And uh, when I came here, it was completely depending on my own. I had to go to work immediately, uh, figure out a way to make a living. I had to figure out a place to live. I had to figure it out all on my own. Um, there was nothing here that was uh, supposed uh, to help you or get you to where you need to be. And, uh, and unfortunately, uh, there is nothing. Maybe there are a little bit more resources nowadays than it was back in that time. But trust me, in 2008, when I came here, people had no idea um, what was happening in Iraq. People had no idea what American involvement in Iraq was. I think people to a large living, point, yeah. we still don't. Um, Iraq and, and Afghanistan, I think, um, you know, or what I see is it is just another news story, you know, a couple more casualties here, more casualties there, and nobody really pays any attention until it was announced that, you know, Trump is pulling troops out. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's an expert on Afghanistan and Iraq, and everybody has an opinion on, you know, whether those troops should be there or not, when for all these years it was going on, for the most part, Americans were indifferent in terms of we knew there was nothing that could be done about it. Everyone had to focus on their own lives. So there was like no point spending energy wondering or paying attention to what's going on over there, unless you're a member of the military or somebody directly impacted by it. For the most part, it was off the radar, uh, unless it like physically, somebody was physically confronted with a story about that. Someone in their community was a casualty. Someone in their community returned. There was support for them. But, you know, it would come and go from the awareness yeah. of Americans. One minute you'd be like, oh, that's right. Afghanistan is still going on. Iraq is still going on. Thank you for your service. We support you. Can we do it? And then we'd go back to our lives where a casualty happens. Oh, my gosh, it's so tragic. We're, we're standing here with you. But then everybody has yeah. to go back to their lives because that's the way everybody has a family and bills and responsibilities. And so uh, it's very easy to sort of set that aside not because people don't care about it or what you're all going through, but because it's so far removed and there's so much else in front of us going on now. And I have to say, Barbara, yeah. that regardless of how bad it was going, uh, people are still supportive of the military. People are still some kind of understand what the military was doing in Iraq. I am sudden to see that this culture of our American patriotism is changing because it's being fought by very unknown power to change that culture, to make people disrespect the military, to make people disrespect people who are killed in combat, to, to make people um, kind of think of us as a war criminals of some sort. Um, and this is what I see today. Today, the attack that we are under has never been here in the United States. The Vietnam veterans has been through it, but not as bad. This is an attack completely on our American identity, on our nationalism and on, on our, our, our patriotism. This is a complete attack that's happening nowadays, and I don't feel 
that I should sit in a stand and wait and watch this happens. I, I lived under that kind of culture before, and I don't want to live it here again. What do you say to people who look at you and say, you're crazy because what's happened over there versus what happened here, it's two different things. There are a lot of people who love to call Trump Hitler. Uh, and then there are people who support Trump who view the other side as, you, you know, the true evil regime trying to dismantle and destroy America. So no matter what side you're on, there's it seems to be there's uh, ammunition to support your viewpoint condemning the other side. So what do you say to people who tell you that saying things like you just said, or what a lot of people are saying, that they're concerned that this country is heading toward communism, socialism, and oppression and the loss of our freedom. There's a lot of people who are concerned that that's where it's heading. And a lot of people are really done listening and ready. There's tension yeah. building and there is a, like, we're at a, a tipping point here, but what do you say to people who say that that would never happen in this country? Um, I would say it will happen in a matters of seconds. If you continue to put the pressure that you are putting on the other side, if you continue to try to change people to the way you want. This is simple as anything. That's how a civil war broke down in Iraq because we decided to make people change from where they wanted to be. We didn't respect these people's um, lives. We didn't respect their beliefs. We didn't respect their religious belief. We didn't respect anything about them. And we end up going to war with them. And what happened? We end up killing each other. And now we learn to respect each other. We learned that our opinions matter. And that's the problem people don't get that um, that if you're calling someone a dictator or calling someone in presidency a dictatorship, I am pretty positive you never lived under a dictatorship before. I'm pretty positive about that. If you're calling someone Hitler, I am pretty positive you've never seen what's like to live under someone like Hitler. Um, and I believe that the media has divided us. I don't believe people who don't think the same as me are evil. Uh, I don't believe that. I don't believe, I'm a conservative. I do not believe Democrats are evil. I do not believe that people who are Democrats are evil. They're not. They're being led and brainwashed by an evil power. And that evil power is called the media that has been dis dividing this country and keeping those bold ammunitions, as you mentioned, in both sides so people can continue to not have a conversation. Because politics used to be pretty close. Politics used to be, it's a very similar idea. You either choose this president or the other one. Now people are going way far the opposite sides. And this is what the media has accomplished. The media, when Donald Trump has said the media is the biggest enemy of the people, he was not kidding. He was absolutely right. The people who are dividing us, who are putting us against one another, will not ever stand to any of our values, whether it's mine or the other side. Uh, Anderson Cooper from CNN was not in the front there line protesting for social justice. These are people that make millions and millions of dollars to execute a message, to execute an agenda for their own platforms, to make a change into the environment and the way we think. And a lot of people seem to fall into this psychological warfare to be a victim of it and start in finding hate for people they don't even know about. All of a sudden, someone sitting in his basement start thinking that he hates the other Americans because they don't think the same as a way. And he find himself or herself hating those Americans more than they hate Al-Qaeda, more than they hate uh, anybody else that have done harm to this country. They found that they would sympathize with anybody, anybody that is against that side or against our fellow Americans because all of a sudden they found hate that did not exist in their life. They found so much hate that they hate the other side that they just don't know why and they don't know how. And how are they finding that energy? How are they getting that hyped up? Who is it really making them that way when we're not having a conversation? We're not talking to one another. We're not sitting at a table saying, well, this is how far my opinion it is from yours. What can we do? Maybe I agree with you in a certain points. Maybe you agree about certain things that I do, but it's not the case. We're being pushed the opposite direction, we're being charged to be more violent against one another. We're being charged to be more powerful, punishing, finding people, doing what we're supposed to. What we're being encouraged for is literally what a dictatorship is. 
Uh, I believe that America was great when we can disagree with each other, when we can have opinion different than each other without harming each other, without doing damage to one another, without making me lose your job or making you lose your job or making me lose my job or destroying my family or, or, or you, you destroying my, I mean, this is what we got into. This is how far we're gone. So if people think, oh, the next thing is division, you're wrong. We've already been divided. The next thing is we are going to basically kill each other because we've been pushed way too far by Anderson Cooper and people from CNN, including Fox News, people who has been pushing us left and right, playing with our emotions, trying to stir us towards a certain direction. And let's say it as clear as it is, we all fell victim for this. We all somehow or sometimes in our life have found ourselves being charged, being hyped up, being angry, including myself. You have to know this is a very powerful psyop tactics. This is a very powerful psychological warfare tactics that the media has been implementing, not only through your news TV, but through TV shows, through Netflix, through every single little screen that you have in your house. So where are most of the people looking into nowadays is screens, phones, platforms, social media, and they found somehow to marinate you in this toxic warfare agenda that they're doing so they can keep people separated and they can eventually change this country to where they want to be. However, I have a news for these people. I have a news for the media that years and years, years, if you read in through the American history and what these Americans been through, and how they have resisted against every single power that try to oppress them or change them, you will find the results are simple and easy, that you will never be able to change people who are different than yours. You will never be able to make the whole entire country be at the same mentality and follow the same system. Every single country that try to do this end up going down to, to the hall and try not to take this country. You could be different than I am. You can have a different opinion than I am. Even if me and you agree in the same politics, vote for the same president, uh, vote for the same party, somewhere, somehow you're going to find things that are different than yours. Uh, somehow we may agree or disagree on something. And I found friends of mine that I served with, that are friends that I, I done favors for. Um, I don't want to brag about saying, oh, I saved this person live. I found people who started to hate me, started to send me messages telling me that all of a sudden they found a way to not like me because they got to hear my opinion. And the people that made them see my opinion differently is these platforms and the media yeah. and, uh, and started breaking these friendships. So if it happens to me yeah. and people who are very smart that I served with, then it's ha- going to happen easily to you and the rest of the American people. And this is not just a presidential race. And I say it clearly, this is a psychological warfare against the rank of people, whether you're Democrat or Republican, is to put you against one another um, and not to understand at one point. I live in the South. I'm a person of color. I understand the values that people, conservatives, goes by. I might not agree with all of it. I mean, there are a lot of things about conservatives I might not agree with. However, I do see the things that they are demanding. Some of, most of it are valid things that they demand and they have the right to. And I support them in it because these are the things that I stand for as well. So there is no difference. So we're able to have this common ground to agree on something without automatically shutting down the door and being enemies because I happen to be different. But the media is dangerous. The media... I, I'll say this, if Donald Trump was the only president that was able to stand to the media or jab bags in the media, and if Donald Trump is not the president anymore, this is a clear statement that the media tells you nobody can go against us. Yeah. And that's what the media is doing. I think what you just described is happening. I don't know a single person who has had not had a relationship change or end or shift because of political views, mine included. My circle has dropped dramatically, and then I gained new people in it. I've been, you know, I have people who once upon a time told me they admire me for my tenacity and standing up for what I believe in when I was standing up for discovering the truth about my husband's murder and pushing for the Purple Heart and 
promoting, you know, ad, uh, advocating for uh, for veterans and such. But the moment it shifted and I started questioning, you know, why are we justifying attacking our police officers because of police brutality? Like, how does one form of violence justify another? When I started asking questions like that, I became their enemy. I was told that, you know, I am denying my white privilege, that I need to be educated. And a lot of people just instantly lost respect for me because I... Um, I literally, in some cases, because I just refuse to concede the fact that I have this like privilege because, you know, or that I should apologize for being white, basically. Um, you have to search and, deep down into like the psychology that, of why yeah. people are starting acting that way with you. Right. It's because why and, are people yeah, they're angry to be that aggressive? That I won't you apologize. You have to see the main being, source. Right. You have to see the main source into who really started encouraging to cut off these people of your lives, to punish right. them, to cut them off. Do not be associated with them. Who really started that doing that? It started with the CNN analyst, yep. Fox News analyst, the media left and right was doing that to keep people divided. And people don't realize the media is not the people. The media is a corporate corporation. It is four corporations that ran and sits in the same table. It means their agenda and their goals is one. And they are going to divide you. And that's what people are charge-based. Right. Um, I love the fact is that I understand this psychological warfare. I love the fact that people saying, I'm done with Fox News. I'm not watching Fox News anymore. But I like Sean Hannity. Right. And I'm like, well, you're still watching Fox News. <laughs> They're it's, still it finding is hard a way, to know like where to go. Like at the end of the day. they still find a way to make you yes, watch the platform. They do. They still figure they it still out. They still win because they keep they just enough people works. there. Yeah, they keep just enough red meat. And that's the thing. And it's just people meat. goes like, well, but I like Tucker. He's different. Well, what makes you think he is different? Right. What makes you think once that man leaves that table, he's not any different? Right. What makes you think that he's going to leave his job or his salary? Right. Say, look, I don't stand for this. And now, if, if he does that, any one of them does that, I will have respect for that person. Yeah, the best say, would have been to see them walk away as well. And, and, and you know, leave. I say it. I say it clearly. I'm not against every reporter. I respect Megan Kelly with all my respects. I give that woman 100%. A, because she was able to get up and walk away from a job. She's able to get up. And what NBC did to her was a plan of one the beautiful style of getting rid of somebody and eliminate a threat to you because yeah. she was a threat to them. And I have respect for that reporter. Megan Kelly walked away from her job for what she believed in. I respect that. Right. That is something that I should not take down. I should not bash or, or that is a true journalism. You should stand up for the people and not for yourself. You should not put your salary before everyone else. And that's what happened in this case. Uh, the woman did it. And, and there's always people out there that does have that kind of value. They will stand up to it. And um, it was kind of interesting to me because the same platform that called Megan Kelly to be racist, the same platform that made fun of her end up hiring her years later to be part of it. Right. This is a psychological warfare. Um, this is bigger than me and you. Um, and people are still, they, they're still going to find somewhere, some way, somehow, to drop you, to draw you back. They knew that they, you're going to get separated from this platform, but find a way to play with your emotions to see what you're into right? and then get you back. This is something Mark Zuckerberg is doing to you right now, that he's in a war with Apple at this moment. I'm not sure if you heard about that, that there is a, a tension going on between Apple and Facebook because Apple is going to try to prevent Mark Zuckerberg from collecting data, which are basically your privacy which basically Mark Zuckerberg is technically figuring out how Barbara Allen and Hamity Justine think inside right. and what they're into nowadays so he can push the right things in front of our eyes and psychologically get us to move towards the right direction. So basically, we're not going to be a normal human beings because we're going to be moved by robots. We're going to be controlled by his intelligent robots. So and what do you, Hamity, what do you say to people who hear that and are just instantly defensive? Because when you... When you try to explain to someone that we are all being manipulated in some way, shape, or form, we are all being some level of manipulated by social media and by the news and the major platforms, that there's no way we are not influenced by what we are consuming. People, I find, get very defensive. And, you know, especially when somebody uses the term sheep, 
well, you're all sheep. You're lining up for the vaccine. You're demanding people wear masks. And so a lot of people call the mask um, supporters and the regime support, like the lockdown supporters, they're being called sheep, right? And obviously that's going to offend someone. When you talk to someone in a demeaning way and you put them down, like they're not going to want to be open to listening to anything you have to say once you go ahead and insult them, right? But what do you say to somebody who just refuses to acknowledge any level of truth in that, that any of us are being manipulated or that can only see the other side being manipulated and not open to the potential that they too are being misled and misinformed and that it's really important to to dig deeper and reserve judgment or emotion. I would say to these people, shut down your TV, stay away from social media, intoxicate yourself, and then you'll have a clear brain. Then the virus of social media, the virus of the media that implanted in you, implemented in you, which is more dangerous than COVID-19. That virus that the media put in you is a lot more dangerous than COVID-19 because there is a possibility you can make it out of COVID-19 and live, but this virus the media has put on you is going to intoxicate you to the rest of your life. Yeah. If you don't figure out a way to, to into- detox that right. negative energy that the media and social media has implemented in you, to step a step back and think outside of the box. At the end of the day, you do have a right to do what you want for yourself, but you do not have a right over others. Right. And whatever signs, BS signs that were came up saying, well, you're putting people's lives in danger for being the way you are. This is BS. You don't have to be near these people. You don't have to mix up with them. You don't have to touch them, but they do have the rights to be themselves. And that should be their choice. You don't have a right. This is not based on science. This is no science. This is communism. This is controlling someone's life based on Science that's made by one man, one man. And I repeat it. Yeah. It's one man that's stating uh, all this. And I and I disagree with that. I don't care what your science about. I do have the right to live the way that I want to. I should have a choice whether I like to inject myself or not. I should have a choice whether I want to wear a mask or not. Uh, I don't feel sick today. I don't want to wear a mask. I just want to walk and get some fresh air. That's what God has gave me to breathe. And I, I made that decision to do that for myself. You do not have a right to do that over me. And people need to take a step back and realize where they're going with this and mind their own business. Mind your own business. Yeah. Do your thing. Believe in what you believe. You make that choice. I can't make it for you, but you don't have a right to change my life. So what do you say then when you hear all these things that are happening with this election now and a large part of the country believes with all its heart that this election, that Trump won this election and that the Democrats are getting away with all sorts of levels of crime and evil and lies to the American people. And then the other side calls those people conspiracy theorists, crazy, sore losers, and refuses to believe that anything went awry with the election or that anything other than good will come of Kamala Harris eventually being president because everybody knows that's where this is going. Um, so yeah. what do you what do you say to the one side of the country who is refusing to believe that Trump did not win? And by the way, I just saw a post, you know, stop the steal, that whole movement. Um, I just saw that and they're the ones holding rallies in D.C. and all this. And on January 6th, there'll be another rally uh, in led by Stop the Seal. And just this morning, I saw that they had posted, we want to see you in D.C., bring a sleeping bag, bring a poncho, bring food supplies, and um, be ready because if D.C. escalates, so do we. So yeah. the the Pretty signs much. are getting less subtle that, that the one side that has so far refrained from any sort of physical actions other than protests, the signs are showing that the peaceful protests are nearing an end. And those peaceful peaceful protests are about to flip, uh, just like they always have been on the other side. Like those protests have been flipping into riots and and all this. The signs are showing that that's happening now, and it's it's brewing on the other side, right? So, what do you say to to it's either brewing. side to brewing. de-escalate? Uh, I don't think people are underestimating. I think people are underestimating this energy and where it's leading to. Um, in my opinion, look, if Biden has won this election. Congratulations. You have four years to lead this country. 
prove yourself. Do not blame anybody else or the previous person for your mess ups. Move on. If he had won the election, if there were dead people that voted in certain states, fraud is fraud. And I would like to know how people had the courage to commit voter fraud and not have any punishment and just go unpunished. And it's like normal that, oh, there's a fraud in this state. There is that amount of fraud in this state. But we don't hear about the people that committed the fraud. We don't hear about what happened to them. Do you realize people who are not citizens that go and vote, the only risk to them is not getting their citizenship when they apply. And that might, that might not happen either. So where is the punishment? And if there's a fraud that's been committed, fraud is a fraud. If there is 1% of a fraud that's been found, I believe that the rest of the process should be checked to make sure there's no fraud that's been committed anywhere else. Not refuse to let it check. Trump does have the right to question the election at this point because he has found some evidence lead that some people have voted in states and counties who are not eligible to vote, who are under the age of 18, who were, some people were dead and passed away back in the 80s. This is something that deserves to be investigated. The American people deserve to have a fair election. And I think we should get to the end of this or the Supreme Court should get to the end of this. The scary part is that there's a lot going on against Trump right now. There's a lot of rhinos are coming out of the swamp. People believe the Republican Party was their friend or the Republican Party was the right party. Um, look, even the Republican Party is just correct. It's just as messed up. It's just as a big of a swamp that's led by people who's, who deceive us and convince us they think the same way as we do, but they really don't. And this just all came to be true. And uh, just like the same way people believe Fox News was their, supported their view, and it was their channel, it was the channel that believed in their values, and they found out the opposite this last election. So yeah. I think that the picture is clear now about really that we're not a party. We're just happen to be people who are patriots, who believed in this country. We don't belong to no political party. We just ourselves. But somehow they've been trying to control us over the years. They're trying to stir us to go a certain direction. They've been putting the right candidate for us who made us believe that these are the right candidates for us and we should vote for them. And they happen to be people who are the opposite of what we believe. Um, so I feel, in my opinion, that um, American people deserve to get to the bottom of this and the American people need to learn to accept the results that are fair, to accept it. If, if the American people don't see something that's being done fair, uh, and you're going to try to oppress one side or take something from them, it's going to lead to nothing not good. I hope this country does not go to a war or a confrontation in the street because it, it, will, it will, if something starts, it will, it will take a long time to put it down. It will never end and, and it will take years and years and years to heal from it. I hope that the American people are smart enough. I hope people are learned to accept democracy and to understand that if there is a fair chance for someone to win this, they should win it. Uh, and if there is a fraud being committed, it should be investigated. It should be looked at to the last second of it and how it went down. But I believe that people are way too blind. People are hating way so much. Um, and people are not looking to look at facts anymore because yeah. our facts now comes from fact checkers from Alan Duke of CNN. That's who gives us the facts. So based on your experience growing up in Iraq, experiencing what you did, going through what you've gone through and coming here, what do you think should January 20th happen? Should Biden be inaugurated with no uh, with half the country still not satisfied that the evidence has been looked at and explored and considered with half the country still feeling like this is unresolved that uh, and still believing with all of their hearts that Trump is the rightful winner of this election, but they are being forced to accept a president that lied and cheated uh, to win this, win this election. If that happens with no resolution, people still not accepting that Biden lawfully won this election and the other half still insisting that everybody just get over it and move on. And then mandates are, you know, a hundred day, more quarantines, more restrictions, more of this are imposed. Do you think, given that, that it is actually a, 
a real possibility that this country could devolve into some level of civil war? Uh, unfortunately, look, I feel that if there should be no president in the White House that results are not done yet. That's why Supreme Court does have a job to do. And Supreme Court have a decision to make, to look at these evidence, and they're obligated to answer the American people. But if they don't, if they job. refuse to do so, and Biden If they refuse to do so, to do their job, and not show enough evidence to the American people to convince them what really went down, then, you know, this country possible could go into a very chaos that we don't need, and we shouldn't have. It will only affect us, nobody else. I think the rest of the world will benefit out of that. They'll find a way to advance ahead of us. I hope we don't go to that case. I hope we don't go down that road. But um, I think people need to take a step back and really let things happen on its own. Let the Supreme Court decide and do not dance over other people's feelings. Don't dance over them. Don't try to pinch people. If you want, move on, celebrate. You have the country to lead. Move on. Let's see what you can do. But if you're going to try to oppress people, if you're tr going to try to use your power to get revenge out of people that didn't agree with you, it will lead you to nowhere. It will lead you to absolutely losing your rights and their rights together. Um, it will lead us all to go on one road to nothing but death and destruction. And we should be careful about what we're doing the decisions that we're making, and I, we should take a step back and not really have that much hate towards people who are different than us. And they should do the same. But the problem is, um, the problem is uh, the media is pushing the buttons, social media is pushing the buttons, and um, this country has a constitution that was written by the founding fathers, and it should not be edited by Mark Zuckerberg and people like himself. Well said, well said. And I ask that because a lot of people are so like, it seems impossible to comprehend that like, well, this is America. Of course, we're not going to, of course, people are not going to be fighting in the streets. Like that would never happen here. You know, those riots are an exception. This is an exception. That is, there's so a large majority of America believes that it just would never escalate. Like that will not happen. Like that was back then in the civil war happened once in this country and it will never happen again. There's a lot of people who firmly believe that and are just, they, they feel like it's okay to keep pushing, 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 pushing because it will never escalate into anything other than pushing. Like there will be no consequences to pushing, 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 you know? And so that is why I asked because, um, you know, it's, it's very hard to, to even consider the fact that Americans could turn on Americans violently, like nationally, on a national basis, you know? Um, and yet there's half of the country that seems to be calling for this if X, Y, and Z doesn't happen. So I'll, I'll say this to, yeah. to the I'll say this to the American people or whoever it is that's uh, thinking this might happen. I'll say this to the people that are charged, energized, had so much hate and anger inside of them. If you're going to go down to this war to fight against your fellow Americans or want to kill them or burn down their businesses, this is part of civil war. You're going to someone's business and burn it down and destroy it. That's civil war right there. Mm -hmm. Civil war has already started. It's not about to start. And that's what people don't realize. Going to someone's business and destroying that business, a small business, destroying the windows in the name of social justice, that is a civil war. You know, because this person has nothing to do with social justice. He's just a small business owner that's been supporting your town. And all of a sudden you decided to go to war against him. That is a civil war. But I am saying this to these people with that kind of anger of burning down places because they feel really unjustice or burning down business owners uh, in, in the name of justice or whatever they, they believe in. Uh, I'll say this to them. If you go down to this front line to fight, in a war or a civil war that's going to cost you nothing but destruction, do remember that Anderson Cooper, do remember all of CNN reporters, all of Fox News reporters will not be with you in those front lines. I can assure you that they will be in their $1 million apartment in New York City, and they will not be with you in the front line. So don't let yourself get charged up. Don't let yourself get hyped up by this psychological manipulation. And you should take a step back and love your town and love your people that are around you and figure out a way to coexist. 
not burn down cities. Because I'm pretty positive if we go down to a war, I'm not going to see CNN and Fox News correspondent who actually put the wood on this fire um, in the front line fighting for social justice. It's going to be your kids and mine that are going to pay the price. Love it. Hamity, thank you so much for all of this, for everything you've done for our country, for taking the time to come back again and My share pleasure. it. Um, if people want to connect with you, follow you, learn more, get your book. You have a great book, The Terrorist Whisperer, that tells your story. You come out and you speak to people, which I would highly encourage uh, people to look you up and bring you to their events if you're interested in these topics and these matters and really want to dig in. So where can people do that and connect with you? Um, TheTerroristWhisperer.com is where you can get my book or Amazon, or you can watch my movie on Amazon Prime, The Terrorist Whisper. Um, it's it's all on these platforms. So whether the book or the movie, it should uh, lead you there to me somehow. My Instagram is kind of pretty active, the ter- the ter- at The Terrorist Whisper as well. Um, and that's where everybody can find me. Awesome. Hamini, really, thank you so much. My pleasure. All right, everyone. There you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Sippets. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending a little bit of your time with us here today. I'd like to personally thank Hamadi Jassim for being here again on the show, sharing his insight. I highly encourage you to check up, check out and pick up Hamadi's book, The Terrorist Whisperer. Also, make sure you check out the show notes of this episode over at americansnippets.com forward slash newsletter. Again, each and every week we ask, uh, all that we ask is that you rate and leave us a review on iTunes or on podchaser.com. So if you haven't done that yet, please leave us a written review. Uh, iTunes reviews are really important in helping us get out there in front of more people, grow our audience, get these stories out there in front of more people and increase our podcast rankings. So all you have to do if you're an Apple user is go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, search American Snippets, scroll all the way down to the bottom and you'll see a little blurb that says write a review. Leave us a a written review. And if you're not an Apple user, you can use podchaser.com. We would really appreciate it if you could do that. Um, We'd be very grateful. Don't forget to share this podcast with a friend, share one of your favorite episodes on Facebook, and make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at American Snippets. Again, we appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are.